This is Erica Housekeeper of Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. Roy McNeil is a musician living in Greensboro, Vermont. Greensboro, located in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom, is home to the award-winning Hill Farmstead Brewery, the Highland Center for the Arts, Jasper Hill Farm Cheese, Circus Smirkus, and Caspian Lake. While growing up in this scenic town in Orleans County, Roy began playing violin at a young age. He resisted music lessons as a kid, but he found his connection to music later on. He now also plays piano, guitar, and viola, as well as records his own music. If you check out Roy's website, www.roymcneilmusic.com, or listen to him on YouTube, you'll find a variety of music, including acoustic folk songs, electronic songs, as well as various instrumental pieces. Here's a sample of his song called There She Walks. And here's another one called Hey Rewind. Here's my favorite piece. It's called Song of Comfort. In 2014, Roy was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. The diagnosis changed everything about his life. The one thing it hasn't changed is his love for creating music. In this episode of Happy Vermont, Roy talks about what inspires him, his creative process, and the challenge of putting himself out there as an artist. So thanks for being here with me today, Roy. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your background, your upbringing. You were raised in Greensboro, Vermont, on a farm that was purchased by your great-grandparents when they emigrated from Canada 100 years ago. You were homeschooled and began playing violin at a young age. But then you also played piano, guitar, and viola. So why was music so important in your home when you were growing up? Music was important because it was something that my um, my mother was always interested in, but she couldn't have lessons because they weren't available here in rural Greensboro, Vermont at that time. And before her, um, her, her great-aunt Ida was always very passionate about it um, growing up on the farm. And Greensboro is a, a major summer community, so we get a lot of people coming from the city and things like that. So she would see these kids come up that got to take lessons, and she would imagine what that was like to take music lessons and um, never had the opportunity. So after many gen generations of sort of hard, you know, working the land sort of lifestyle, my sister and I were the first one that actually got that opportunity to take music lessons as well as just a regular education. So it became an integral part of that when we were young. Talk to me about when playing music kind of finally clicked for you. Well, that happened in two different ways. The first way that it really clicked immediately was when I got my first computer in my early teen years and um, recording software. 
And I began what many people in this generation have done, which is recording my own music. And it started really with no rules or expectations, and that's what made it so fun and wonderful. Um, up until that point, music had always been um, filled with those things, just like school, like you have to do it in this way, and you <laughs> and with um, you hold your violin this way and make this kind of sound. Now it was just like um, anything was possible, and I just found it so exciting to like start playing guitar and lay down one part and then another one over it, and um, I, I felt very free to explore, and I got kind of hooked on it, and that became my main passion of mine for a long time. The other thing that happened around that time is that I started to finally get adept enough with my skill in the violin where I could play with others, and we could actually start to make music together. Um, I was incredibly lucky to for for living in such a small town to have a music camp that was right just right down the road during the summer. Um, there's a longtime established group from the area called the Craftsbury Chamber Players, which have been um, bringing classical music to the area for the last fifty years. They're a real establishment, um, and one of the members, one of the founding members, named Mary Lou Rylands, took it upon herself to create a, few, a free music camp for kids to come and play. And we'd, you'd have a mix of local kids who had an education and then the who were lucky enough to have private lessons like myself, and um, as well as kids who came up from the city. So there was a, this great mix, and something about playing together did make a connection in me. And I... It still felt there were still rules and this discipline and classical music wasn't as cool as the pop music I was starting to um, get into at the time recording. But I started to it really laid the seeds for like a deep connection, and um, that was something that I really really value now. That's actually what made me start playing viola because viola is kind of like the awkward middle child of the string family. Everyone wants to play violin, which is like attention grabbing and bright. And exciting, or the cello, which has those dark, low notes, but the viola kind of sits somewhere in between and um, is kind of made fun of a lot in musical circles, but I um, took to it and enjoy it quite a lot. Yeah, that's great. And you have, you know, quite a bit of variety. There's a lot of variety to your music. You know, you have these acoustic folk songs, um, including one called There She Walks. And then you have electronic songs such as Hey Rewind, and then various instrumental pieces, such as Song of Comfort, which I listened to several times this morning while drinking my coffee and just setting my mood for the day. So it's a lovely song. Why does the style of your music vary? And is there one style that you connect to more than others? I've gone through so many phases of, um, <laughs> I've gone through so many phases through my own musical journey where um, I'm kind of swept away with into a, into a sound. Like it seemed a little bit like being a, a jack of all traits, but master of none, because I would spread myself out. So spending some time trying to be like a singer-songwriter, playing the acoustic guitar and singing um, for one month, and then 
focusing on my classical violin for another and feeling a little self-conscious, like I wasn't really honing in either of those skills. So um, more recently, I've tried to to narrow it down and think about what are the core um, disciplines which I'm most passionate about? What, what are the kinds of music that I really want to be making that I can spend all my time in and really live in and try to master them? And that's finally started to happen in, with um, the, some of those acoustic songs, such as There She Walks, as well as uh, the electronic production, um, like Hey Rewind. Um, which features um, a very close uh, friend and collaborator, Nikki Kim, uh, singing on. And I think that also, I, I like performing alone, but it, it also brings up an interesting thing about collaboration. It's always really neat for me to work with other people um, on Hey Rewind. Having Nikki's voice in there really was inspiring for me. She also plays violin on that. And then same with Song of Comfort, which you, you mentioned before, that came about in the early days of the COVID-19 outbreak when I was supposed to play my concert at the Highland Center for the Arts. Um, one person I was supposed to be collaborating with came by with this really neat Russian instrument called a Kosmovsky, I believe. And it was right before the sort of intense social distancing was implemented. And we're like, well, we can maybe make a little bit of music together. And he laid down this simple arpeggiating pattern on that instrument. And then something about having someone else's voice or musical idea there is very inspiring and exciting. It gives me something to respond to. So that... Also, with the context of this very strange and fraught time, like the world outside is going to, to heck, <laughs> and um, it felt like all of a sudden there was a real need to make some really beautiful, calming music. So that, that's what brought about that piece, um, A Song of Comfort. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. And, and speaking of the Highland Center for the Arts. So you were scheduled to play at the Highland Center for the Arts in Greensboro in March. And then when the COVID-19 pandemic happened, you ended up performing on stage in an empty theater and the performance was live streamed. Um, I would love just to hear about that experience, you know, playing on stage. It was really alone, interesting. No in I thought that it would... <laughs> It wouldn't feel that different than recording there because I'd I'd moved into the space ahead of time to first it was just to rehearse for the concert and then we found out the concert had to be canceled. So I, I was able to um record that Song of Comfort piece and then we went ahead to uh do a live stream when the concert was to be. And I thought, well, no one will be there, so I'll just I'll just play some music, record it just like I have been. But all of a sudden, knowing that people were listening, something changed in the air, and it was um i it felt like a real performance, and that was totally surprising. I felt um that familiar jolt of adrenaline, and I was like, um, 
suddenly kind of nervous, actually, because it was like, wow, this is happening right now. Um, people are hanging on to my every note and move and word. And it was, it was a real rush. And something wonderful that happens with live performance did, which is that um, I, I, I think I played in a way I, I normally wouldn't have. Yeah, I'm glad you could feel them. That sounds very special and uh, unique. I'm glad you did it, and, and I know it was really well received. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what inspires you when you're writing music or, or, or lyrics? Yeah, so inspiration is very hard to pin down. It, it, it comes almost out of nowhere, and sometimes it'll it'll arrive unexpectedly and then that's great but it can also come out of new experiences or um a conversation perhaps for me definitely growing up in vermont i feel a great connection to nature and if i am ever stuck on something the the first thing that i'll try to bring back that inspiration is taking a walk in the woods and um really looking at the trees and thinking about this kind of bigger picture in the world. I, I, I feel like kind of any connection to a cosmic and larger version of, I, I, yeah, any connection to something, something different is, is usually very inspiring. And often a place can be very inspiring. Like maybe I'll go on a trip and visit a new city and suddenly I get, it's, it's like a whole new set of thoughts is, is springing up or um, being in the Highland Center for the Arts, like being, yeah, definitely visiting a, a, a performance space like that, like a cathedral or their, the main stage at Highland Center for the Arts, I found very exciting because it brings out a new sound in the instrument. Um, and that's great. And Yesterday, or a couple days ago, I was walking on the farm after a period of not much creative <laughs> inspiration. I hadn't really felt like playing music, and I came to this old shed that has boards falling apart, and it, if you've been around Vermont, you'll, you'll see these structures on the sides of the roads, these buildings that clearly used to to be used for agriculture that have been abandoned and are starting to collapse. Um, this one isn't quite at the point of collapse, but it, it has this real history kind of oozing out of it. And I stepped in there, and all of a sudden I just felt an intense desire to make music there. And I was like, oh, this is, this is where inspiration can come from. And it made me realize that my next project will probably be to, um, will be, my next project will be to take my recording equipment and instruments to these places around the farm that have been basically abandoned and set up and just kind of see what happens because when something calls out to you like that, I think it's important to take advantage of that. I'm also actually still, I actually still have some equipment at the Highland Center for the Arts. They asked me to do a kind of like a little documentary on what it's been like to record there. I, I did a, several videos and performances there. 
and it was a real privilege. So I'm trying to wrap that up. And but it is it is kind of like a seasonal thing. Being in that space was so inspiring for a time, and then after a while, even though it's this amazing performance space, I needed something different, and I didn't expect that this old shed would be <laughs>、um, be that different thing. But it but it is. So so it's my plan to carry on with that project. That's great. In the in the near future, yeah. It's excellent. So, you were diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2014, and in April of this year, you were supposed to have a stem cell transplant. Can you talk about your initial diagnosis and how your health condition eventually became more serious? Yeah. So Hodgkin's lymphoma is one of the most common types of cancer for. Um, my demographic, which is men between、uh, ages like seventeen and twenty-five, and it's very well treated almost all of the time. So, when the initial diagnosis came, it was a shock, but also not super scary because they basically said, "Well." We're going to give you this relatively mild chemo for about five months, and then you'll be able to move on with your life, and you shouldn't suffer any long-term consequences. So, I was kind of in between things in life at that time. I just、uh, graduated from college at the University of Southern Maine, and I was planning to get my graduate assistantship in Illinois. And I was like, okay, I'll just take this this little break and. I deferred my assistantship to the spring, and I spent several beautiful months in Vermont、um, after having not been around here for a while. And then it it came as a real shock when that first treatment, which was supposed to work, didn't, because now things were a lot more serious.、Um, I had actually driven out to. Illinois to start this graduate assist- assistantship, which was I was very excited for. I had begun taking the steps for this new life, meeting faculty that I was going to be working with and potential colleagues. I'd moved into an apartment, and then I got this call from my doctor, and he sounded extremely grave and described what the next treatment would look like. And he said, with that one, the chances were still pretty good, but this would be some very intense chemotherapy. And after that,、um, I would have. At that time, I was supposed to have a stem cell transplant, which entails a month in the hospital, and then six months after that in isolation, where you're extremely vulnerable. And I was、um, realizing that I could not. Everything that I had planned in my life up to that point just had to be canceled. I could never, and since then, I've never been able to make plans. I can't. I could never get a job because, at any point, I might have some serious treatment. So that that next treatment did fail. I didn't have the stem cell transplant then, and instead ended up、um, on this kind of path of experimental treatments. I've had clinical trial after cl- clinical trial with varying degrees of success, but never curing me. And.、Um, At this point, I'm in a very unique 
weird place where um, there, I feel quite well often, but um, it's it's quite scary. Every now and then it hits me because uh, there is no cure for me, and I don't know what'll happen. I've I, I was supposed to have the stem cell transplant at this time, but for the third time, actually, it was canceled because I must be in remission in order to receive it. And I had been in remission, but then it started to come back a little bit. And now instead, um, I'm going to tomorrow be starting yet another clinical trial, actually resuming one that I've, I've had in the past. So yeah, it, it's just been a very long and strange journey that has prevented me in some ways from developing how I would, would have normally, but in other ways, given me a unique time to reflect and do the things that I want to do. Um, it's kind of actually forced me into recording because I can, no matter what my health is, I can record my music on my own time. If I need to take a break, I, I can. I've have been very lucky to have incredible support from family and friends that because it would be impossible for me to have a job, um, I haven't had to worry about that so much. I've been able to stay. I, I, I stayed in New York with some close family friends who let me use their apartment for um, several years, actually, so I could get the best treatment available at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York. And now I'm living at home in Vermont with my folks. Um, on this beautiful farm that is now a hundred years in the family, and I'm able to spend all my free time when I'm not making music out actually working on the on the farm. I've been carrying out these this kind of forestry and landscaping project to um, maintain the the forest, which has overgrown in a lot of places. It used to be very well tended by my um, grandfather and great uncle and Ida. And so it's, it's very meaningful for me to be able to do that and sort of do, take the time to do what matters to me the most. So it's been um, a strange journey, but I'm, it's forced me to try and live my best life and examine my life in a way I never would have otherwise. And that's been really cool. Right. And is it, has it changed your outlook on performing music or creating? And, and has it helped you maybe put yourself out there more, you know, in, in front of an audience or? Definitely. I was always waiting before. I was like, I'll do it <laughs> later when I was waiting for the right time, kind of. Um, when I had this, uh, there was always something else I could do, like to, to, to perfect a piece. And then I would perform it. Then I would put it out there. And it's given me a sense of urgency that always did exist, but now I really feel it. Um, and it also feels like it, it just matters more. Um, or I, I feel that it matters. It, music always does matter. Art matters um, because it touches people. But now 
um, I don't know how much time I'll have to do it, and and so and so I, I, I give it a lot more attention um, in that way. Yeah, and it it's a hard thing to do to to put yourself out there and and be you know vulnerable and and you know especially when you maybe want to perfect something. I'm sure a lot of Definitely. artists can. Yeah, a lot of artists can relate to that but you know you're you're doing it you're you're out there putting out your music and you have this wonderful youtube channel that's filled with your you know songs and performances can you talk a little bit about what's on your youtube channel and and maybe how often you're you know you're putting music on there yeah well it took me a really long time to have that cur to the courage to put the music out there um First, it was with a live performance here in um, Greensboro at before the Highland Center was around. Um, I did a concert, and I decided to talk a little bit about my existential existential um, quandary and what it's been like to live uh, as a musician with cancer. And I realized it really um, resonated with people, and as the time went on. Um, I did that again. I did it 2018 at the Highland Center for the Arts. And last summer, I decided that it was time that I really did need to start setting some deadlines for myself. And <laughs> I, I'd, I'd been telling myself that I was going to release an album forever. But even though I was determined to do it, it wasn't happening. And I realized that um, I, I was striving often for an unattainable perfection and that I just needed to learn to start letting go of things. Like, it just put it out there and people will like it. So I started um, uploading a few things to YouTube and then um, I made, yeah, I, I started, at one point I decided I was going to put out a video every week and I kept that up for about seven weeks. and. Initially, it was to share my experience as a cancer patient and show what kind of what that's like um, and the ways that I was staying positive and healthy. And so there are many videos that, that do that. I'll play some music and also talk about what I'm going through at that time. And that series ended up being called Life in Music. I have seven of those videos up now. Um, when I moved back to Vermont at the end of last summer, I, my weekly goal for myself sort of fell by the wayside and many months went by when I just couldn't bring myself to sit at a computer. Um, but now I'm, I'm feeling very motivated to regain that balance and do it regularly. Somehow it takes, it takes a certain energy to share your art on a regular basis and get those responses from people and be able to balance that in life, um, to make the time for that and not take, take it personally. Fortunately, I haven't gotten negative comments, of course, but if I did, I think it'd be really hard for me to see that on a screen somehow. I think the way our minds process things on a screen is very different. And it's definitely something that's coming up more and more with this social isolation we're all going through right now because that's 
probably more and more the interaction we're getting. And hopefully that's good and people are learning how to do manage it in a positive way. But for me, sometimes I... I don't know. I I, <laughs> I get a low level anxiety every time I open up Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's just something that gotta do. You know, just right, so. right. But yeah, the that that kind of output though, it can be exhausting and kind of triggering. You know, mm -hmm. to, when you put yourself out there and you're, you know, well, what will someone say or what will they think or will you know people like it? It can definitely, it's definitely tricky to navigate definitely and and i'll like put so much of myself into a video and then i'll put it out there and people will like it um and then it's time to make another one and i'll feel and I'll, then i'll feel like that one has to be even better somehow and it can't be less good so then i think i'll often hold back because and not do something because i feel like it's not going to be the absolute best thing i can ever do and that 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 can't stop you from from doing what you need to do. Um, I, th I think it's important to know when to keep perfecting something and and make it the best it can be, and then also pay attention to that moment when it's you don't have the energy anymore to bring it further. At least put it on the shelf. You can always come back to it, but let it rest and um, put it out into the world because people probably want to. Would much do want to do want to uh, to see it and hear it and um, so yeah I'm getting I'm getting gradually better at that as time goes on. That's good and that's great advice. You know, just putting it out there and just yeah, letting people respond in whatever way they want. But kind of you doing it for you. You know, it's I think that's important. Can you just talk maybe a little bit about? Um, and I know you know you said that it, it's impossible to to plan and there's many challenges with your illness. I mean, can you talk about what the future holds for you and your music? And maybe that's, you know, maybe maybe you just take things day by day or, or week by week. I don't know. Is that a question you can even answer? I think so. Um, life can seem so random for so long. And I felt like I've just, for so many years, was just kind of reaching out in various directions directions and then sometimes getting a response or sometimes not and um, trying different things with and not not really sure what I was getting out of it. Um, I've over the last several years been moving to this place where I can more consistently do my music and balance my life and as long as I'm healthy and able to do so I'm going to be making music and putting it out into the world and trying to just share share this story because I, I, I have a very weird <laughs> circumstance, but I think I also have something positive to, to share and uh, that's generally been the feedback I've been getting. So um, my plan right, right now, um, it's always kind of like a, you have to do it, there's this 180, like right now I was supposed to be in the hospital I was going to be in the hospital for a month, and then I was going to be in isolation for six months to a year. So I'd I had nothing planned for for this summer. Um, now all of a sudden that time is opened up again. I'm 
back into this limbo where, um, once again, I can't really take a job because all of a sudden the stem cell transplant could be back on the table at any moment. Um, so I can't make any serious plans. The only thing I can plan to do is keep making my music. And, um, and that's exactly what I intend to do. Um, right now, uh, this, this goal of, or this intention, it's, it's kind of a question of what I think people will like. Um, there's, there's doing it for you, which I, I, I want to do, but I also want to be making the music that resonates with people, what I, whatever I think that is. And, uh, it's, though I think getting feedback can be difficult, I'm starting to get a sense of what people like to hear, like hearing that from you that the song of comfort resonated with you. Um, that's neat. I, th I think it's not necessarily the type of music I would always be going to, but I could also easily and happily be spending time with that, that type of music. Um, so I think I'm, I'm just going to be listening as my audience starts to grow to what, what people want to hear more from me and then making more of that because that, that's, that's what gives it meaning is that, that, that response, knowing that the work you do, the art you make is actually re being received by someone and it, that it means something to them. That's a really incredible feeling and I feel lucky, so lucky to be able to do that. You can learn more about Roy at www.roymcneilmusic.com and also find him on YouTube. After Roy and I spoke, he sent me a recording of music he made in a shed up in Greensboro. I'll leave you with that at the end of this episode. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Send me comments, story ideas, or feedback at hello at happyvermont.com. You can also learn more by visiting my website at www.happyvermont.com. Take care and talk to you soon.